0: Oh, I'm gonna tell you, I'm excited about this message, but I don't know how it's gonna come out. To be honest with you, because uh, this is not what I intended on speaking at the beginning of the week, and then uh, I was gonna go through a whole series. But this first part, I'll be—I got 13 pages. We're not gonna go through it all tonight. (laughs) So relax. Normally, I may have about four to six, but yeah, um, and you know, this could be a little bit of. A challenging topic because we're going to work our way up to it but it's going to be familiar when we get it so you know um i'll start off with a story so there was a, a experiment that used to be done at a particular ivy league college where they would do this experiment with uh their psychology students and what it was was they were they were given I guess the description of a particular object that they will go into a room and be able to look at that object. And and they were gonna be quizzed on the object afterwards. And it was like three questions on the quiz, right? So they will, they will, the door will be open and then they will look at the object and then they will have to, you know, be able to describe what they saw. So usually the first two questions they had no problem with. Once they got to the last question, that's what, what will give them difficulty. And the last question was, how do you describe, how would you describe the room? And they couldn't answer the, they couldn't answer that. Right? And the reason why they couldn't answer it is because they were given a description of the object, so they focused in on that object. But the interesting thing is, the room was not a normal room. One wall was completely taller than the other. The ceiling was slanted. The floor was slanted. And they had trouble with that, like I said, because they were focusing on that particular object. And that's what they were told to look for. And that's what we can do when we go to the scriptures. Because we, we, we hear stories, and they're in the Bible, but we hear them taught and preached a certain way. And not that they're wrong, but we can miss key details behind it, right? So that's why this is going to take a, a little bit long, because I kept going... I don't like math right so whenever I had to do math and I never understood why I had to do math right especially when I was in college like why do I need to learn this right this has nothing to do with preaching a message (laughs) so the thing with me with math is it's like even if you get it it feels like all numbers and everything your mind is just jumbled and everything and that's what this started to become (laughs) because I kept wanting to stop and even with the notes the Lord still showed me more And I was just seeing more. So uh, what we're going to do is sometimes when you have scriptures, some things, you know how we got a sandwich where you got the two pieces of bread, right? And then you have the meat or whatever, right? And then we usually don't break it up normally to eat it, right? We just eat it all in one. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to do. We, we're we're going to break it up, but we're going to start with the bread first. Right? So this particular message is called I am the bread of life. Right. So if I was just to ask, uh, you know, this is a rhetorical question for you all to answer to yourselves. But if you hear I am what will come to mind with that, you know, it will come God, um, Exodus. You know Moses these are all things that will come to our mind but we have to understand it and Joan mentioned when she, when she came in we were talking you know um about being anxious right and we can all find moments where we're anxious and things like that but we're going to go to John we're not gonna go there yet because we're gonna go to Exodus first but it's like if we and this is what the Lord showed me if we truly understood the I am statements then we will probably be a little bit more relaxed for some things because when Israel, they heard I am, they knew what it meant. That means God is God. Right. There is no equal with God. Right. So they knew, even though the fact that they were being oppressed in Egypt, they understood when Moses showed up and said, I am sent me. They knew what time it was. <laughs> right. So and you think about it. They were setting their ways. Right. Even though they were crying out to God and we're going to go to Exodus three to start out with. So they were crying out to God, but they understood. And God knew when they heard, I am, that means Yahweh was showing up. Right. So that means they were covered. They were protected. And even when they went against other nations that were more powerful, more modernized for that time than they were, they knew when I am was with them. They could not be defeated. Even though they were outnumbered by thousands of others. They couldn't be defeated because I am. And that's the same way. When we understand what I am is to us and we we catch that revelation of that, then we don't have to worry about anything. Right. We don't have to be anxious about these things. Right. But these are things that we have to remind ourselves. All right. So Exodus three. We'll begin at verse 6. Exodus 3, beginning at verse 6. Moreover, we're going to read to verse 14. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this the Lord speaking to Moses through the burning bush. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them. Out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up. From that land. To a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites. And the Hittites. And the Amorites. And the Perizzites. And the Hivites. And the Jebusites. Verse 9. Now therefore. Behold. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So let's start right there. He says, the cry has come to them. Now, when I read that, I was like, well, okay, the cry has come to them. Lord, you already knew what they were going through. And I'm sure even the fact that they were being burdened that they cried out to the Lord. But he's saying now the cry has come out to them. And we can look at it as delay, but sometimes... You know, when we find ourselves in things, it may be more of a, a, a head and cry because we want things to stop and get better for us. Right. Because at one time they did have a good in Egypt. Right. And then it can become a heart's cry. And, and that's what the Lord wants to hear from us. Our hearts cry. Amen. All right. Verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So let's stop right there. So God is telling Moses, hey, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Right now, We remember, because I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, that Moses initially tried to help Israel when he was there before he left. Right. He was trained in Egyptian ways. Right. But we have to understand now when he's at this point from the time he left Egypt to the burning bush. Guess what? He had been away for 40 years. And you know, you're away from something for 40 years. You're going to forget your customs and things like that because he's no longer practicing these things. Right. And what the Bible tells us is that Moses was the most humble person. Right. So God had to work on him all that time. But the thing about it is, Moses didn't feel qualified to go before Pharaoh. And, you know, we can look back at, at, at it now. And we could be like, as Christians, we'll say, well, if God said to go, a burning bush is speaking to me, I'm going to go regardless. But that's easier said than done. Right. Because Moses, I mean Moses, Phil at that time was the most powerful person on the planet. Most powerful human on the planet. So that's not easy to do. So Moses felt that he needed some credentials. Right? And sometimes that's how we can be. We may feel we may need our credentials. God may tell us, hey, I want you to go do this. I want you to go do that. But we may feel we're not credentials. I was like that at one time. Right? Even though I knew it was called. I didn't have anything, didn't have uh, a license or an ordination, not even a degree. Right. But I thought this, this was my mindset that if I had my credentials, I would be good. Right. But what that showed me was when I look reflected back on it, that was my pride because the Lord didn't want me to have the credentials. Because when the Lord is sending us or telling us to do some, that's the credentials all we need. Right. Because sometimes we like to rely on our degrees We like to rely on our training and we don't have to be trained in those things. Right. That's why even now we have the Holy Spirit because he can speak to us and he can guide us and lead us. But we don't have to rely on the credentials because now when we rely on the Lord, that that is showing us we're trusting him. But that is also a sign of our humility. And when we want the credentials, that is our pride. When we say, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not. It becomes I, I, I. And the Lord saying, no, don't make it about you. Make it about me. All right. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So we know the last time Moses was in Egypt and he was before Israel, he ran away from them. Because guess what? They didn't trust him. Right? Because he tried he tried to he tried to break up a fight, and then he got scared because of they thought they, they were going to tell on him. Right? But he was letting her know, just let them know, I am has sent you. And that meant to, they knew that was the code word for them saying I am was Yahweh has sent me. So that's how they would know Moses spoke to the Lord or God spoke to Moses. So I am who I am shows God has no equal. Right. So they were being oppressed. They understood that Pharaoh was the most powerful person. Around, but again, once they heard I am has sent me, now they know someone bigger and someone more powerful is going to deliver them, right? But the thing about it is that deliverance didn't take place right away, right? Because there had to be there was ten plagues, right, right, and then even at the first few, guess what happened? More of a burden came upon them, right? So I'm sure they probably doubted, but Moses didn't doubt. Why? Because Moses was the main one who had that encounter with God. So Moses knew. So even, you know, you think about it, it was really a miracle that Pharaoh never killed Moses. Because, I don't know if y'all thought of it, but when I, whenever I read that, I'm like, well, why did Pharaoh just kill him? But he couldn't touch him. Because I am sent him. See, we don't have to be worried about that when God is telling. And see, it, it, it can be apprehensive to us when God's telling us to do things. And we're like, ah... Uh, It may not even be about a qualification thing, but it just may be we're scared. But once we know that God is God and he's sending us, now we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about someone doing something to us. All right, so we know that, well, at least I hope we know, but we said it before, (laughs) that, you know, everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. Right. Everything in the Old Testament was pointed to Jesus. And we like to talk about miracles, signs and wonders. But there's a reason why those things happen. And, you know, I, I thought about it even this week, you know, because when we hear signs and wonders, we associate it with miracles. Right. I thought about it that they're actually two different words. I'll, I'll give you a definition once we get to the New Testament. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're two different words and there's two two different meanings alright so Deuteronomy 18 let's turn there gosh this is just appetizer. We may, we may not even get to the bread this is salad right <laughs> but God wouldn't have revealed all this to me for no reason alright Deuteronomy 18 beginning at verse 18 read eighteen nineteen. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So I'm going to read that again. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So we on this side of the cross already know who that prophet is. Right. Israel. All before that, did not know who that prophet was. But with the Lord speaking this to Moses and to Israel, they were going to be looking for this prophet. So verse 19, and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. In other words, I'm going to hold them accountable. Right. So same thing. If we don't obey the word today, we get held accountable. All right. So now let's go to. Well, yeah, we'll go to John. Gospel of John. Uh, Chapter two. Y'all bear with me as we walk through this. All right. So gospel of John. What do we know about John? We obviously know he was a disciple and he was an apostle, right? So the thing about the Gospel of John, he wrote the Gospel of John after Mark, Matthew, and Luke, right? So by the time he wrote the Gospel of John, he already knew what was going to be, what was in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Mark was the first one written, right? So what do we know about John? We know that usually when someone gets saved, we usually send in the word gospel, John, right? That because it's an evangelistic gospel, right? So if you don't know, in the gospel of John, the word believe is written almost 100 times. So in the synoptic gospels, it's written less than half of that time. Synoptic gospel being Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? So it is an evangelistic gospel. So we'll send people to read John, which is a good thing. Right, Because John is easy to read, it's easy to understand, but sometimes when we do that, that new believer is going to miss stuff. And the reason why that new believer is going to miss stuff because even somebody that's been a Christian or even a pastor or preacher can miss stuff in the Gospel of John, which we're going to see some stuff here. <clears throat> but the thing about John is it was not written in chronological order. So now when we read through John, we're reading through it and we're like, okay. It's, you know, we're really like it's in chronological order, but it's not, which is why we have to have really all four of the Gospels. Right. Because they're, they're I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> um, but anyway, so John, if John had Matthew, Mark and Luke, why would we need another gospel? Why, why would the Lord lead John to write another gospel? See, John, there's things mentioned in John that's not written in the other Gospels. And when John repeats things that are written in the other Gospels, he adds certain things to it, meaning showing, okay, there's some revelation that may need to be expound upon. Basically, John was written to show that Jesus was the prophet whom Moses was speaking about. So the things that John was writing about all show signs that Jesus was this prophet. So, when we see these miracles, we'll read them. We'll see the miracles. And we're going to go to um, the feeding of the 5,000 in, in, in a minute. But we'll see these miracles and we'll just take it at face value. But they were happening for a reason. They were happening so, and I think I might have said it Wednesday, that it wasn't just the fact that the Jewish leaders were the ones that should have recognized you. Actually, all the Jews should have recognized them. And we're going to see that in Scripture. All of them should have recognized them. Alright, So John chapter two, verse 11, just to, just to confirm what I was saying, says this, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Right. So he's talking about the water turning into wine. Right. So we're looking at and that was Jesus first miracle. And we'll look at that. We'll just see the miracle. But that was a sign for his disciples to see that he was the Messiah. Right now, John chapter 20. Let's turn there. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. All right, John chapter 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these are written. That you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of God. And that believing. You may have life in his name. So John was writing. To point people to Christ. So there were certain signs. Certain miracles John uh, pointed out. So let's talk about miracles. Signs and wonders. So a miracle is this. A miracle is an event that goes against the laws of nature. It is a supernatural act of God that is performed for the purpose of demonstrating his power and authority. Right. So a sign is this. A sign is an event or occurrence that points to some something else, usually something greater that is yet to come. So that sign, these miracles were signs pointing to Jesus. And a wonder is this, a wonder is a remarkable event or sight that causes people to marvel in awe and amazement. So sometimes we may attribute things today that are actually wonders, That are, I mean, that we, we attribute it and say that they're miracles when they just a wonder, don't go against the laws of nature. But we'll attribute it and say, oh, that was a miracle. No, it was actually a wonder, right? Some of those things could be things in, 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 in the medical world, Right? Because a miracle is going to go against the laws of nature. Alright. So let's turn to. John chapter 6. So John wrote to convince his readers. Of Jesus' true identity. As the incarnate God, God. Man. Whose divine and human natures. Were perfectly united into what? One person. Who was the prophesied Christ. And Savior of the world. So in other words, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Amen. All right. John chapter 6. We there? All right. Begin at verse 1. Feet under 5,000. We've all read this. Right? We've all heard this taught. Right? And I'm not saying it was taught wrong. But there's certain nuggets that we could pick up on. Especially when we put the other gospels together. All right. Verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So let's stop right there real quick. So he says here, after these things. So now, really, when you read this initially, you will probably go back to chapter 5. Right. But remember, I said it's not written in chronological order, because what happens is. The fear of the 5,000 is also mentioned in Matthew 14, Luke chapter 9, and Mark chapter 6. So, Luke chapter 9 tells us, he says after these things. So, remember when he set the 12 apostles out, right? They came back, right? Me and Phil talked about this, I think, months ago. When they came back, Jesus put them off to the side because he wanted to get some rest, right? So, he, he, puts them, he brings them over to the side, but guess what? The crowd start following, him. right? The crowd start following him, and then I'm paraphrasing uh, Luke chapter nine, so you can go back and read it. But the crowd start following him, and then um, Jesus sees the crowds coming, but he wants him himself and the disciples. They're trying to get that solitude time, that private time. And you know what I thought about when when I read that? You know how we have some of these. Uh, faith teachers and faith healing evangelists, how they need these private jets and they need to be secluded. Jesus was trying to find some seclusion, but once he saw the people, he had compassion on them. And guess what he started to do? Luke tells us that he began to teach about the kingdom of God. And then Luke also tells us that not only did he teach about the kingdom of God, but he healed those who were in need of healing, which means even though we may need some solitude sometimes, we still have to give people the time of day. Amen. Right? We still, we, rest is important. It absolutely is. Right? We need our rest. And that's what gets Christians and preachers burned out sometimes because we don't rest. But Jesus had compassion when he saw the people coming to him. Right? So now, what Mark chapter 6 tells us, the people were coming. The reason why the people were coming, because... Even though the apostles came back, Mark chapter 6 tells us the people had been out with Jesus all day. And Jesus was teaching them all day. He was teaching them all day. So what did I say Wednesday, right? That sometimes we can sit up here, and we may only want a 20 or 30 minute message, right? But Jesus was with them all day. And the thing about it is this it was not only was he with them all day, it was men, women, and children. There was no children's church, people. There was no children's church. Right? And guess where Jesus went? He went up on a hill. Right? And then he sat down. And then the people were standing, listening to him. Yeah, he prayed for people, but he was teaching them all day. Right? And what else did we learned even when we went over, what was it, uh, in Ezra? That the people were out there men, women, and children, even in the pouring down rain. But no, 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 we have to have children's church. See, we have to have children's church because, you know, they don't have the attention span. What do you think they're learning in kindergarten? I mean, we, we say they don't have attention span, but they learn to sit down, stand in line in kindergarten. But when they come to church, oh, they need watered down stuff? No. Right, or not even the young kids are teenagers, right? No, they need, and we're going to see when we get to this young lad that provided, he was a boy, right? But, again, men, women, and children. But see, we make up stuff as we go, right? Because what happens is it's not even just the church doing, it is these outside people that come in and they introduce stuff to the church. And we feel, because, you know, we. I I think I might have said this before, I can't remember, but We were part of a couple churches where the same people were back in the children's church every week, every week, every week. At least one of the churches provided a a, a DVD message. The other church didn't provide anything. And they were back there. And, And you know what? And the people back there, they're miserable because they're not getting the word. They're not getting the word. Why? Because they're supposed to be out there. Right? Men, women, and children. Now, I'm not saying you can't have special events and stuff like that. But we just change stuff. All right, let's go back to uh, verse 3. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, remember that? Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? that these may eat. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Why? Because this is a sign that Jesus is about to do. Right? This was a sign that he was about to do. Because he is the bread of life. That's right. He is the bread of life. Right? And these are the things that we have to remember. Alright? Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii were for bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So 200 denarii, I forgot which chapter, uh, which book it was. I can't remember. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Tells us that was six months wages. 200 denarii. All right. So verse eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So let's stop right there. So this lad is a kid. So we see that this kid is there, right? We also can tell that this kid is poor because he didn't have regular bread. The bowl was designed for those who didn't have, right? So not only were this kid poor, but probably other people were there. Thousands of other people there didn't have, right? So let's go. Now we've heard this now, Well, I'm pretty sure we heard this, but I've heard this. We say, oh, Jesus had a frisk fry for 5,000 people. And they will take out boxes and things. Like that. What John tells us in the Greek that these other ones, Phil's laughing because he knows. <laughs> but, um, what John tells us in the Greek that the other ones don't. That these fish were not fish that you catch. These were like little, not even sardines. These were small fish. There was more like a, a topping that goes on the bread. That's what this was. So you're not having a fish fry with that. Right? So... The bread, the Passover. So when we hear Passover, what does that mean? That's that's reminding us of Israel's exodus from Egypt, right? And the fact that the Lord sustained them while in the wilderness, both physically and with 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 the food and the water, right? It's not by coincidence that Jesus waited till this time during the Passover, because now you got. People coming to celebrate the Passover. So now you have thousands of people there. Why? To get the bread. The real bread. And we're going to end up going through this whole chapter. Right? The real bread, which is the manna, which is, we're going to see, which is Jesus. Amen. All right, verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. So remember, they were standing now. Right? Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down. In number about five thousand. So what I forgot to mention was the three greatest prophets in the Old Testament was Moses, Elijah, and Elijah, and Elisha. And they were all things that they did to feed people, to supply. That all still pointed to Jesus, right? We know the bread in the wilderness, right? We bread in the wilderness with Moses, and then Elijah was uh, the woman whose uh, flour and oil did not run out, and then with Elisha. That was, uh, he had enough food. A servant brought him enough food for 20 people, but he had to feed 100. And then he told the servant to feed him. The servant said, Well, how are we going to feed this? And once the servant fed, they had enough. All that was signs, again, pointing to Jesus. Right? So this is why we may see, and we may see it here at the end. end Well, we're not going to see it today, but at the end of the chapter, where Jesus asked the disciples, Who do they say I am? The prophet to come. Or Elijah why because these are all things that are semblance, semblance of what they did all right uh, make people sit down so the man sat down in number about 5,000 verse 11 and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted so when they were filled he said to his disciples gather up the fragments that remain So that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which was left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So let's go back up to verse 13. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. I always wondered why 12? Four was representative for what? The children of Israel. That's right. One basket for each, uh, each tribe. Why? Wow. So, whatever they were filled up with, now they take those fragments and now they can go to others who did not eat. This is a representation. When we get Jesus, where are the baskets? We're going to go to others who didn't get them. God. All right. So, let's go to verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign, the sign that Jesus did, said, this is true, the prophet who was to come into the world. The prophet. Right. This is the one who Moses was speaking about. So this is the sign. That was the purpose of this 5,000 right here. Him feeding the 5,000. Right? It supposed to be. That's why John is... We'll say, we know that this is important because this is the only miracle outside of the resurrection that is in all four Gospels. All four. Right? So, it was again, it was a sign to show. And John is the only one that mentions about the Passover. Why? Because, we're going to, as we see, as we go through John chapter 6, we're going to see that God is the one who supplied the manna and God is the one who supplied Jesus. Alright? Verse, uh, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So let's stop right there. All right. So we talked about it before that Israel was looking for a Messiah to come. Who's going to bring them out of bondage. Why? Because they were waiting for the prophet that was supposed to be like Moses. Moses did what? Led him out of Egypt. Right. So they were waiting for the Messiah to come. So now they see Jesus they, they they're, they're saying, all right he's the prophet, he's going to lead us out of bondage from from Rome because Rome was the Egypt at that time, right so they, 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 but they were expecting someone in a military manner like David to come right? I had a note that I was going to say, but I can't remember, but Jesus. Did what? He went away. Why? Because this is one of the temptation moments. Why? Because he knew he was going to be king. Right? Because guess what? If they come, take him by force, make him king, guess what? He doesn't have to go to the cross. He doesn't have to be separated from the Father. (laughs) Right? So, that's pretty tempting. Right? Because he doesn't have to worry about getting uh, beaten and things like that. Right? But guess what? He didn't do that. Why? Because he thought about us. Because Jesus didn't come in a sense of trying to become a a military king. See, they didn't understand Jesus was coming spiritually. They wanted him physically to take over. In other words, they wanted to come from under the oppression, the bondage of Rome, kind of like we see Christians today, come from under the oppression, the bondage of the government, right? The gospel, who's in leadership. Right? And we don't need to listen to them. Stand up for your rights. That's rebellion. Right? That's rebellion. So really, they wanted Jesus to come and help them to rebel against the Roman government. Jesus didn't come. Why? He didn't come like that. Why? Because he also wanted the Romans saved. And we're going to get to that eventually. Right? Because we hear a lot of times, and I've, I've said it. I've said it. I've been guilty of it. That Jesus came and he just ministered to the Israelites. No, he ministered to thousands, thousands, thousands of Gentiles. And we're going to see that. Right. And it is a parallel between the two. Right. But one saw him from the flesh. One saw him spiritually. And those that were supposed to see him spiritually, which was Israel, missed it. They missed it. Right. But we can't get into rebellion. We can't. When we hear Christian leaders Pastors, who are just Christians in general say no stand up rebel First Samuel I think it's 23 says what? rebellion is as witchcraft That's right. not that rebellion is witchcraft it's like the sin of witchcraft so God never t- taught us to rebel like that but yet we fall for it hook line and sing we see Christians say it all the time nope do, do this do it no that's not, what Jesus, that's not how Jesus came. And that's how Israel missed it. Because we're not supposed to just come out of our flesh like that. Jesus loves everybody. Right? Jesus loves everybody. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out if I want to keep going. <coughs> Alright, I'll, I'll finish this up. Verse 16. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over to went over the sea toward Capernaum and it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat and they were afraid. Verse 20. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land. Where they were going. So we see a couple of miracles there, right? Jesus walking on the water. And then as soon as Jesus got in the boat, it immediately got to land. Now, because it's not in John, in Matthew, Matthew, t- this is the same time where Peter walked on the water. John just doesn't mention it. Why? Because John didn't think it was important to mention. Right? But Matthew mentions it. Hmm. All right. Verse 22. I'm trying to stop, but uh, all right. Verse 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place Where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boat, into boats and came to Cabernet, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So in other words, they knew that Jesus had to walk on water. Right? So this is where we will miss it when we see Jesus walk on the water as a miracle. So what is the, the Jesus walking on the water as a representation of? Moses taking them through the Red Sea. Also Joshua taking them through the Jordan. Why? Because Moses didn't lead them into the promised land. Joshua led them into the promised land. That's what this was. An example of. So this was another sign to them. Verse 26. Uh, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, so that you, you seek me not because you saw the signs that I was the prophet to come. Even though you, you talked about it a few verses earlier, when we were on the other side of the water, you acknowledged that I was the prophet. I'll start again, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent His seal on Him. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. So let's... uh, I don't want to lose my place. Verse 29, John 6. All right, so... Oh, damn. oh no! I'll keep you thirty. Sorry. <laughs> Therefore, I'm trying to get to another chapter. Therefore, they said to him, "What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What what will you do? What what more sign do you have? You just said that you just talked about the signs, right? <laughs> but they were looking again for miracles. Verse thirty-one. <clears throat> Verse thirty-one. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So, in other words, Moses didn't give you the bread that's going to give you everlasting life. He didn't give your ancestors that. Right. But my father has given you the bread, which is Jesus, the bread of life. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. So they're looking to get their bellies full. Jesus is trying to talk to them spiritually, but they're seeing things naturally. Verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees... The son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. So, let's stop right there. They don't know what's about to take place. Just like you don't know what's about to take place because I didn't go there. (laughs) So, Jesus is saying everyone. He's saying everyone that comes to him. So, it's not just the Jews. Right? He's talking about everyone. The Gentiles too. Uh, Ah... Can I get a little bit more time? (laughs) Ah. (sighs) Let's go to... Where do I want to go? I don't even think I have it in my notes. Where do I want to go, Lord? Matthew 15. Matthew 15. I I think it's Matthew... Shit. I'm going to stop soon. Uh, we're not going to get through all this. And we're going to go back to uh, John. I think I left over at verse 40. We'll pick up there next week. So Matthew 15. So after he has this dialogue, we're going to finish reading John uh, next week or the week after. So after he has these dialogues uh, with them, The Jewish leaders come to him, right? And they start questioning him and they start talking about the So this is what he's talking about at the beginning. We're not going to read that, but he's talking about because they're they're talking about the things that come into the body, the fireman. Jesus saying, no, it's the things that come out of the body, right? Because what comes out is what's coming out of the heart, right? He's saying that's what the man. So let's go down to. All right. So we're, we're familiar with the Canaanite woman, right? So, remember now, well, we didn't remember because I, I kind of jumped, but remember I talked about the sandwich. This is part of the sandwich. This is actually all one story, but because we got the different, different gospels, we have to put them together. And we're not going to get through all this. So, let's just say this is the bologna, right? Well, turkey. Turkey's healthier. All right, so, we'll say this part is the turkey. So, the 5,000 was the bread. This is the turkey part here. And then we'll get to the cheese and the other bread probably next week. All right. Verse 21 get a drink of water my throat's getting dry alright Matthew 15 verse 21 then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sodom so what's significant about Tyre and Sodom that was a heavily populated Gentile area right so now the majority of people who he's going to face there are going to be Canaanite this is why this Canaanite woman comes up to him verse 22 and behold a woman from Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Right? We're all familiar with the story. Verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. For she cries out after Why send her away? Because she was a Gentile. They were beneath the Jews. Right? So even though the, uh, the disciples weren't rich people, they treated, they treated all the Gentiles the same. Right. So now we know what's about to happen. He's about to call her a dog. Right. And that was not even an insult because they were used to that. Well, it was an insult. It was an insult, but they were used to it. All right. Uh, Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, verse 27. And he, she said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Alright, so let's stop right there. Even the, even the dogs eat the crumbs. So we, what do we know about crumbs? Right? We don't eat the crumbs. For the most part. Now, there's times where I eat crumbs where I may be going to work and have a breakfast biscuit and I'm just that hungry. If a crumb falls, I'm going to eat it. All right? But for the most part, We don't eat. Why? Because if we don't eat it, we're usually what? Either full or we just don't have a desire for it, for the most part, right? But if we're hungry, we're not going to let that crumb go to waste. Think back to John chapter 6, and we'll get to it later on. They let the crumbs go to waste, right? So now when this woman says, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table, she's taking the leftovers. Right? She's taking a look. She she knows that Jesus is healing the Israelites, the Jews over there, on the other side. But now he's come over, basically saying, look, what they don't want, I'm going to take. Right? So, same way, where Paul and them kicked off their feet and Acts, right, the Jews didn't want it. So now it flowed over to the Gentiles. This is the start of the Gentiles right here. What does Jesus say in verse 28? Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. He said this to a Gentile. He didn't say that to anybody else in the Bible. But he said this to a Gentile woman who he just called the dog at the beginning. Great is your faith. He doesn't say that to anybody. He said that once in reference to when the uh, I think the Jewish leaders came for the uh, the uh, centurion. He said great, great is the faith. But... He said this to her directly. Only person he said this to directly was a woman that was a Gentile. Now remember, not only was she a Gentile, but she was a woman, so she was doubly looked down upon. But Jesus says, greatest, So the Jews rejected him, right here, and she's saying, "Lord, the crumbs what they don't want, I want." Jesus recognizes her faith, and we'll stop right there. <coughs> We'll start right there. We'll start right there. <laughs> <Okay. coughs> I gotta remember where I'm at. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, God.